Hi, this is Bill Brown of the Houston Astros. This is Sunday Strohs, a podcast brought to you each and every Sunday covering all the week's action and news. If it's Sunday, it's time for Sunday Strohs. Hey guys, welcome to episode three of Sunday Strohs. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there, all of you dads. It is your day, and it's also Sunday, which means it's time for Sunday Strohs. I'm one half of the team, Rob Fontenot from Texas, along with my co-host Stevie Proud, all the way from Manchester, England. How's it going, Stevie? It's good, Rob. It's good to hear from you. As you say, it's a special day today. It's good words there, kind words, you know, because uh, it's a very important day. So, you know, I'm excited to, to do this on a special day, but also, you know, it's such good fun. So I hope everyone uh, enjoys it and has a wonderful Father's Day as well. Do you have any plans for uh, Father's Day? I'll be I'm probably having a barbecue later on. I mean, we do things a bit differently here from Texas, obviously. But, you know, we'll be doing that. The weather's good. So, you know, it'd be nice to see my dad and catch up. Definitely. What about yourself? Uh, my dad lives in another state. He lives in Oklahoma, so I won't be seeing him. But more than likely, I'll FaceTime him and maybe, yeah. uh, you know, maybe get on here yeah. on uh, Skype. Then I can see him. Well, either way, I mean, I can still see him. So I guess FaceTime since I'm not going to record it. Uh, yep. But this episode is the second half of your conversation with Mike Acosta. It is, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to talk a little bit more about authentication and the process of that. There's some really interesting stories, actually, that I think you'll all enjoy. And he's going to obviously go in depth more into the future of the Astrodome and the projects surrounding that and his own work. So, you know, I, I hope everyone enjoys it. And, um, you know, this is the second part. So enjoy. The the next point is, again, it's a similar theme. It is going to be another one where you will have infinite responses to it. But I've got to know, is there, a, you know, maybe top three things that, perhaps, you know, that you've authenticated, but perhaps mean more to you? You know, it, you, you're proud uh, of the authentication of it is there is there any is there maybe three things that stick out to you on that yeah there's uh boy we have authenticated so many um, thousands of items um i know and i knew it was good yeah one. we but but there are things that that stand out uh when craig biggio um uh when he was towards the end of his career and he got his three thousandth hit uh, the items that we authenticated that night were were very cool. Um, awesome. You know, seeing seeing the ball, the the jersey, yeah. and also uh, the bat, and and then the uh, when he retired, you know, at the end of the that year in 2007, um, yeah. his final uniforms that he wore, he wore seven different uniforms, seven different jerseys that day, and and so um, 
just taking care of everything and just the, the memories of watching him kind of go through the process of, of, uh, you know, becoming a, a retired player. You know, he stayed in yeah. his uniform for like two hours yeah. after the game ended. Um, so, so those, you know, th- those things that are related to, to Craig, um, are, are very monumental. And then I, I probably have to also say the, a lot of things that we did during the world series. Um, and, and, you know, from now, now 2005 World Series sort of predated uh, the authentication program a little bit. The authentication program was there, but but it wasn't as involved as we now have it. Um, yeah. And and it, that didn't start until like right after that. You know, like you know, we we started having authenticators out and just involving them a lot more in the couple of years after that first World Series that we had in 2005. Yeah. Uh, and, and that wasn't just our decision. That was a, that was just MLB growing, expanding the program. But I also think of the World Series stuff. Um, you know, last year when Jose Altuve hit the walk-off home run to win oh, the pennant God. to send us to the World Series again. Oh, um, you know, I have I have a program in place on the field where you know a, a chain of custody is is a very big term for anything that we authenticate. So uh, you know, as a celebration occurs i'm watching where the ball is the authenticator who's <laughs> yeah, there with yeah. me we're watching where the ball is and you know i was immediately on the field as so everybody was celebrating right there at home plate i was walking around the the, the backstop towards third base and then going out towards the outfield and um the authenticator's with me so he can he can keep an eye on it we can keep that chain <laughs> of custody intact and and so we got it and we secured it and authenticated it uh, so, so that is That's something that uh, my, my goal is to, you know, if, if we can, every major historical moment that we have in Astros history, I want to make sure that we're there on scene, you know, kind of like, you know, there, there's a, uh, I mean, I mean, when somebody makes a call and something's going on and, you know, the, the police or the fire department show up to help remedy the situation, <laughs> That's yeah. what I, you know, I, we want to be, we want to be on scene right then and there to, to yeah. make sure that we are protecting that, uh, that moment and securing items and, and making sure that, that they go to the right place. And that is so um, what you describe in there, because I, I mean, watching it on TV and seeing it and being there, some of the fans and, and people who are in attendance of that game. That place went absolute, it erupted with that home run. I mean, how? I couldn't even imagine trying to keep my eye on that. It's, that is a skill right there because, how, you know, that's, it's chaos, isn't it? You know, you, that, it is, that home it, run, it, it's chaos. I always tell everybody that, um, you know, we have a small table there in the, in next to the dugout and the camera well, you know, kind of set behind the, the photographers and, you know, we have to have a line of sight as to what's going on on the field. You know, I have my iPad, I have uh, my phone, I have all this information that, that I'm, I'm watching what we're logging in and, and uh, I'm keeping my own scorebook. Uh, and you have to anticipate, you know, I remember um, when, when we went into a walk-off scenario, um, I packed everything up because... Um, you know, we can win on a walk-off. And, and at that point, I don't want to be putting my, my iPad and, and my books together and just pack it. I need to get on the field as fast as possible. So I packed it up and I sat right there by the gate that gets me on the field a lot quicker. 
And so you <laughs> yeah. have to anticipate, you know, you have to anticipate and you have to have procedures in place too. you know, Absolutely. the people that are on the field, the, the, the ball, you know, the ball boys and, you know, even the ball players know, you know, if they see me coming, they know that we're securing something. And, yeah. and so, um, and, and we, we take care of them, you know, we give them items that are directly related to, to their big moments as well. And we keep some items, yeah. you know, for the team. So that way we have in our archives, um, but yeah, it's, you have to anticipate and we also have to have, uh, procedures. So, you know, I kind of have, uh, I'm a very big NASA guy. I love NASA history. And so I always like having, uh, a backup. I like having a procedure in place. If something happens, if we have a no hitter, you know, I like, like we had a no hitter last year, we had a combined no hitter. Um, I like having an outline. I like having a plan that says, okay, in the seventh inning, this is what we start doing. This is when we start notifying Major League Baseball. We touch base, you know, all the way down to the final out. And then, you know, we have a different procedure for post game, and and you have because you have to do it in real time. You know, it's it's authentication, and the, the ball game is like a moving train. You see this train coming down the track. Well, if you missed a train, you've missed it. You can't go yep. back later and say, "Oh yeah, yep. I think this is the jersey." It's not the way it works, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, you have you have to snag it. You know, you have to have a, again a chain of custody. So, it's very very big, and it's you know you have to be very proactive in your planning, and um, you, you, it helps you react with the right decisions when when something does happen. It's fascinating hearing that. It really is because you see it on screen. But it is nice to hear it directly from yourself how it works, and you know people hopefully will have even a, a stronger and newfound appreciation of how much effort really goes into it. Um, next is a similar thing. So you obviously archive a lot of stuff personally yourself. What do you feel? Maybe a couple of items, maybe two or three that you know, you hold close to your heart that you've, uh, you know, uh, become in possession of yourself? My, uh, so my uh, collection personally, uh, obviously, you know, we, we, we're building team archives and, and um, that's always the, the number one uh, goal for me in what I do professionally at work. And then, of course, there's me personally, you know, things that I like, you know, I love Batman. Right. So I'm a huge Batman guy and I like collecting yeah. different items there and this and that. I also like the Astrodome. Right. So I have my own collection and yeah. Astro stuff. I, I have a, a great Astrodome collection, Astrodome specific collection. Um, for one, my seats, I have seats from every level in the Astrodome that came out of you know, I, I've covered every level. And so I have, you know, and here in my office here at home, you know, I have I have five chairs in here. Each one is a different color. So I got a skybox, silver, red, orange, yellow and navy. Uh, And then in my garage, I have more. And I have the other ones from the club level, the loge level and so forth. And those are very dear to me because that was something I always wanted since I was a kid. I always thought it'd be cool, you know, but but as as a when the dome was being used as a stadium and we're going to so, say, well, how am I going to get seats? Because we're using the Astrodome. But in years later, when it wasn't being in use, that was always my goal. And I was able to, to acquire seats like that. And it, it, they're just very, very cool. I love them to death. Another thing is um, having a working section of the original scoreboard. So if you see the old animations of the scoreboard, 
and yeah. the home run spectacular and all the lights. I have a section of that, and it's in my office at Minute Maid Park, uh, and and the, it still works. If you plug it in, it was wow. it was a it was a charity piece back in the late '80s when they took it down, and then I bought it from somebody else on eBay uh, back about 20 years ago, and and so it's hanging on my wall. It's it's a it's about 22 by 28, maybe a little bit bigger. It has three bulbs on it, and it's an actual piece of the scoreboard. So it's like the wall, and it has awesome. all the original wiring behind it, and and uh, you know it, it had a they wired it to where you could plug it into the wall, and it lights up. And I don't light it up that often because I don't want the bulbs to burn <laughs> yeah. out. But but it but I, every once in a while I'll flash it, you know, and it's very bright, and it's it's just like wow, that's the home run spectacular. Um, and then there's another piece that I have um, that it, that I was able to acquire. A long time ago, it is a um, uh, a painting of the Astrodome that used to hang in the office of Roy Hoffines in the Astrodome in his in his office, and um, it, it's a it's it's very near and dear to me because you know he was the creator of the Astrodome. I mean, there were a lot of people who worked on the Astrodome. There, there are a lot of people who in this massive team who made the Astrodome a reality, but without the 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 vision, I mean, it it goes to without saying that if he was not there, uh, it would have changed the the course of the Houston baseball franchise for Absolutely. a long time. It would have we would have had a different chart. And so anyway, that that painting used to hang in there. It's a it's a kind of a large painting, but I was I was able to uh, uh, to acquire it uh, a long time ago, and and so I've had it, and it's it's kind of a bit of ins- inspiration to me. So. You know the 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 seats and uh, the scoreboard and then the painting itself they they tie to the memories that I have as a kid um, and then also the what what inspires me in things that I work on you know with the astronomer with the Astros uh, um, it's really yeah, and cool. I, I have some I have some of the old uniforms too like I love those old flannel uniforms so I have a couple of oh, yeah. that I've acquired oh, yeah. over yeah. over the years those are my favorite you know I I love stuff now too don't get me wrong I love stuff now but yeah. you know as, yeah. as a historian I I, I really the, the stuff that I've kind of collected has been the older stuff and and so I really love those old shooting star flannel uniforms yeah oh. you know they're, they're just very cool so. It's, it's, I think we've, uh, I, I know I've discussed it with people online before, but it's like, you know, when's Cooperstown going to, you know, rebrand those and re-release them, you know, because people would buy them. I mean, I know they'd probably cost a ton, but I think some of us really want to see those redone, you know, and, and mm-hmm. repressed and re-released. It's just, I was, um, you know, I was looking recently back at some of the, you know, even the Colt 45 stuff and, you know, it's just they just look so cool. You know, they're just effortlessly cool, but no one really seems to have gone as far as fully replicating them yet for purchase. You know, well, we had them, we had them in 2012 when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the the Houston franchise. Yeah. We we wore the the Colt 45 uniform a few times on the field that year, and and then they they sold them too they they were able to sell they of course we they sell the hats all the time now they're in yeah, the astros yeah. team store and so the Colt yeah. 45 hats are there and there are some other things but the jersey uh i think they only do a certain amount of jerseys like they like sort of certain amount of throwback jerseys per year and and they uh the the Colt 45 one was very very popular um, and and the yeah. shooting star they try to they've kept a, a 
a replica version of the shooting star here in the past couple of years in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and and so they, they try to keep that because they know that now the best selling one of all time is the rainbow uniform. So I think it would be um, it'd be a long time before you don't see a rainbow uniform being sold in the yeah. in the Astros team store. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they they try to keep that in there. Uh, in fact, uh, a couple of years ago, they did a very, very nice 1971 version of the shooting star uniform that had the inverted colors where it was more dominant orange and the navy was more mm, yeah, trim yeah. and it was it was really really nice so i love all that stuff i mean i I've, obviously you can't get a lot of that in this country but so you know obviously i have to head to various like official outlets online but the minute you know anything is is, is repressed or redone you know be it cooperstown or mitchell and ness or whatnot I am uh, I'm all over it, but it, you'll notice that you know I mean I have to do everything online, but it goes you know it sells out like wildfire because everybody wants it you know because yeah. it's not like say it's not available all year round, so you snap it up because you think well I need that you know I have to have that while it's still available and being produced because sure. it, it won't be there you know uh, it, I think it's a great thing is another way of keeping it keeping it going but so the big question because this is where it links to our first episode of this podcast and i know you're a man in the know obviously you have a lot to do with the the current situation um there's two kind of questions i want to ask you but i think we're gonna have to start with what do you see happening with the astrodome what what have you heard you know what are the visions that you've seen yourself put forward or you know that are perhaps in the pipeline well what i want the astronome to be is i want it to be a a very uh lively uh interactive uh socially uh, uh and also from events and and uh, you know we have new homes for baseball right we we have Minute Maid park and we have nrg stadium for football. And so the, the Astrodome is essentially, uh, I'm not saying it's not needed as a stadium, but I think it's, it can transition to something new and something very innovative again. And, and through that, um, there's a old quote that the Astros used on a book, a couple of books that the promotional books that they put out about the Astrodome. And they said, the Astrodome is more than a stadium. It's a way of treating people. And, you know, that was very true because when you walk through the Astrodome, it was like a palace. There were lots of amenities. All those amenities kind of went out. You know, when I when I talk amenities, I'm talking about um, uh, the, the scoreboards, the theater type seats, the cushioned seats, not the you know, there's no wooden seats in there or anything like that. Um, the restaurants, the clubs, the private accommodations, the skyboxes. Uh, it was very luxurious and it was literally like a palace. And so it was the experience of coming into the Astrodome as well. In the early days, people dressed up, suit and tie, very nice dress. They they would talk about how the uh, the attire of ladies that walked into the Astrodome would contrast against the seating colors. And so, <laughs> it, you know, and people and, and ladies didn't have to worry about their hair getting messed up, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the heat, you know, outside in the humidity. They were indoors. Um, and so what I what I would love to do is is, you know, 
times change and you know people don't dress like that when they go to to an event anymore right they're they're wearing they're very leisure it's very interactive mm-hmm. we have social media you know people check in they take pictures they go to landmarks they go to to, to wherever it is um, and and they they share their experiences and I want the Astrodome to be something like that where everybody can share experiences and have a, a new generation of of uh, great moments in there but also branded through the history so you don't forget that you're walking through the Astrodome but for people who never went in the Astrodome or never really understood the importance of the Astrodome and, and you know, why there, there are so many generations. And this is going to continue to go on for many, many decades from now. This is not like, well, you know, it's just not needed anymore. You're, you're going to have these memories because you, have, you also have younger kids and there's kids that are not that old who, who may have some and their parents have told them about it. But overall, I want the Astrodome to share its experiences, to be able to accommodate events, to festivals, to, uh, you know, if it, yes, if there's a, a what many people call a boring convention, yes, let's have overflow in there. For the rodeo, let's have overflow rodeo events in there on the floor. Let's have private accommodations for special guests of the, of the complex that may be performing at the rodeo. Let's have uh, a very nice uh, sky deck at the very top of the Astrodome where it looks a 360 view of the city and also the surrounding area of the complex and other just – Things that, that, you know, when the, the great thing about the Astrodome was, yes, it, it was structurally and, and important and in, from an engineering standpoint and set new standards for stadiums and, and buildings of the same type of shape and form throughout the world. But yeah. what also made it special, too, were the experiences, the events that were able to take place in there. And I want that to open up again. And and let's serve. Let's make the Astrodome serve today's world uh, in in a way that it you know people can learn and experience the Astrodome, but also have a very modern experience as well. A very sleek, you know, the Astrodome is very sleek and and uh, always you know very cutting edge. Let's make some of the interior like that again. Let's so so what I suggest is. Um, and I think this is in line with what a lot of the, the county government, you know, officials over the years have have suggested is uh, let's remove a lot of the, the stadium seating. You know, that the Astrodome covers nine acres, essentially. And yeah. if you remove many, much of the seating and scale back and you create a, a floor that is bigger than what you just envision the baseball field to be or a football field. If you remove some of the lower level stands, you have a massive circle that's about six and a half acres. And that's a huge amount of space where you can – and it's very valuable. We have to, to consider that the Astrodome started everything that's around it today. The NRG yeah. Stadium, NRG Center, NRG Arena, it sits at the center of this massive, very um, uh, diverse uh, uh, complex – that used to be called Astro Domain, but you know now it's called NRG Park. Yeah. And so the Astrodome, for it to be successful, needs to complement the operations of what NRG Park does, what it does at the stadium, what it does in the center. It needs to be part of that connection. And so the renovation process of it, uh, it will involve new 
experiences. Again, viewing platforms, places for, if you know, we'll have areas where if you want to experience what it was like to sit in a seat in the Astrodome, you'll have a small section there. You might have some original seats. Maybe they're replicated seats that look just like the old ones, but you'll have areas where you can interact. You can have meetings there. You can, you, leasable space, all sorts, you open, uh, who's to say you can't have sports in there anymore? That's also part of the plan. You can bring in all sorts of events, pretty much the same thinking that they had when the Astrodome opened anyway. You know, I always say baseball was the vehicle by which we got the Astrodome, but they also realized back in the early days that you were going to need to have other events in that building in order to pay itself off. Now, the Astrodome today is completely paid off. There, there's no debt owed on the Astrodome. All the bonds are retired. Now, in a renovation process, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to have a budget. You're going to have to to have a, a, an expense that you're going to incur to, to renovate the building. But I believe that the building will also generate that revenue back with the events that will take place in there as well. Now, the Astrodome is owned by Harris County. It's not owned by the city of Houston. It's an asset of Harris County. So yeah. above all, Harris County has to say, yes, let's, let's get the ball rolling. Let's this, you know, the, at some point, you have to say, uh, yes, this is what we want to do. This is how this is how we want to allocate this amount of funds and this for stage one or stage two. And as we go through, and then this is how the revenue comes back. Uh, you you do need some county leadership there to in order to move forward with a project. And with um, uh, we did have a change in leadership a couple of years ago, and we have a new county judge now. And and she has put it on a back burner. There's a lot of issues, right? Houston's a big city. There's a lot of issues. We have flooding issues. Uh, there's you know now this year we have COVID-19 issues, and they they've been so everything has gone to the back burner regarding the Astrodome. Uh, but but I have been actively involved with it um, in the in the, the, the behind the scenes, and I'm part of the Astrodome Conservancy. And the Astrodome Conservancy is the organization that's tasked with coming up with a plan for the Astrodome. Uh, but it also takes working with the county government to say, okay, well, we're ready to go. But the Conservancy also is, is charged with uh, coming up with, with private funds, you know, not, not just public funds or county money that's in the budget, but coming up with, with private donations. And I think there's a massive opportunity for that in the Astrodome. Yeah. If you look yeah. at the way other large buildings operate, like Minute Maid Park and NRG Stadium, this is a very large building as well, and there's similarities in how we can operate that building. Uh, and, I, and I think that, you know, when you bring somebody in to the Astrodome, and if they've never been in there, or it's been years, and you bring somebody in, they get excited. I've never seen, never have seen somebody not get excited when they walk in the Astrodome. Twice in the past five years, we've had uh, what's called dome coming events where the public was able to come in through the center field tunnel and, you know, just kind of a, an area in the, the open outfield area and view the Astrodome for back when it turned 50 years old in 2015. And then in 2018, it was at that time marked as the last time the public would get to see the building before it was going to be renovated because Harris County back then had already approved uh, a, a, a budget and a plan to get the renovation started. But then the election later that year 
brought in a new county judge. And so everything was was halted. But people waited in line four to five hours just to get inside the Astrodome and walk through it for 10 or 15 minutes. And so it, it's a it's a very big part of um, it's still very near and dear to to many people in Harris County. And it is important to people in Harris County uh, and, and the surrounding areas. And I just think that if you if you open it back up and allow itself to to uh, to have these these nice events in there and even sporting events um, and, and just a destination to, to go to. And there's there, there's all sorts of possibilities. I mean, it would take me forever to go through them, but there's all sorts of, of uh, educational uh, opportunities there as well. Uh, and, and I think that what, what I've done personally is in, in working on a lot of these projects and how the, the building is, is changed uh, from the way people move through it and, and, and different um, destinations within it. I think of Kennedy Space Center and NASA in general here in, in yeah. Houston and in Florida because they NASA is very good at presenting its history and making it relevant and relating it to where we're at today. And if you go to Kennedy Space Center and you see the experience and how they educate you on the history of the space program, it's very similar in, as to how I've taken that theory and put it into the to the Astrodome project. Because the Astrodome also is inspired by the space program. So uh, it, it's it's very similar, but it, in, this, in the same respect, um, it, it's how you uh, how you generate revenue, how it uh, it, 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 it is a uh, compl- you know, complementary piece to Energy Park. You know, it's not just something sitting there uh, that's yeah. not in use or maybe, you know, can't be used if it rains. You know, there's been many different plans for, for the Astrodome and, and some of them are, are very nice and very. But I think ultimately we have to be responsible when we when we plan what the future of the Astrodome is because it is part of a revenue center and it, you know, we want to preserve it and it is protected by the Texas historical commission. So it is in line right there with the, the Alamo and the state Capitol. I mean, and the San Jacinto monument, it it just, it's, it's at that level. It is a, it is a declared landmark, a state antiquities landmark in Texas. So it cannot be altered without the, the permission of the Texas historical commission. And, um, you know, they're all for uh, this renovation, but, you know, there's no demolition that can happen without their oversight. It's interesting, as I say, I mean, talking to someone, I mean, obviously, uh, like yourself, who, who wants to, you know, see the preservation of it and, you know, the continuing, you know, life of it. It's it's like I say, we had our first episode last week and we we. We just basically put out the question, you know, um, what do we want to see happen with it? But we were just talking among, you know, the the Twitter community, as it were, and Astros fans, as it were, and Houstonians. And it was very interesting, you know, but it's um, it's just interesting to hear your perspective. And obviously you have your ear to the ground and you have an awful lot of involvement in it. Um, But ultimately, I'm just glad that, obviously you're someone that wants to see it preserved you know um so i'm just really grateful for your input on that and i know it's a tough subject because i was trying to do my research last week and it was a minefield you know but i learned a lot so that's the beautiful thing with history you'll learn the more you read and take in so 
I enjoyed it, but it's obviously nice hearing from yourself, who's, you know, the official historian. So I thank you for that. Sure, Um, no problem. What I want to end it with, Mike, is, and I said this to you when I met you last year, when are you going to do a podcast and when are you going to do a new book? I know you're deep in the heart, but when can we expect a new book or can we expect a podcast regularly, perhaps? You know, I would, I would love to to do a, a, a podcast. Um, I actually suggested doing something like that through the Astros, where, where we, um, you know, now we have. Uh, I helped establish the Astros Hall of Fame last year, and, and had been working on it with um, with Reed Ryan for the past uh, two to three years or so, and and um, you know we brought it to life, and so it was kind of a, a living, breathing organization, an area within the Astros where we now were were saluting and honoring uh, through official procedures and channels, and we have a, a board that we put in place to help us elect Astros Hall of Famers, and we're bringing a lot of that to the forefront and it's not just putting some exhibits in the ballpark. You know, we have uh, plaques and, and we have ceremonies now. And so what I wanted to do was, was get together um, the rich history of the, of the franchise. We're heading towards 60 years of the franchise in yeah. a couple of years. And so I felt that it was a good moment to sit down with former players, uh, anybody, who, who has been involved with, and it doesn't have to be, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It can be in the past 10 years. It can be five years ago too. And just oh, talk, yeah. let, let's just talk about all these, these great moments and subjects. So let's, let's get, uh, you know, if, if we have a show that's, that's completely about one particular game, uh, or if we have one that's, you know, just solely about one aspect of the Astrodome, um, you know, then we, we do that. I, I would love to do that. And, and we, um, uh, I brought it up last year and, and I was given the green light to go forward. And we, I had some discussions with, with some other people who would be involved with it. And, and I reached out to some of the alumni for the Astros, uh, former players, and, and they were very, uh, very open to it. They loved the idea because they love sharing their stories. Uh, and then we get really busy, <laughs> you know, during the baseball season. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we, you know, we went to the playoffs again. Uh, we went all the way through the World Series. And then yep. uh, as we went into the offseason, I thought, well, let, maybe we could try to do something then in the offseason. Uh, and then we had a renovation project happen in the ballpark that was actually very close to where the recording studio is at the ballpark. So, uh, so we were unable to, to really record anything over the off season. And then of course we, we get to this year and now you have, uh, the COVID-19 situation and, and the ballpark is closed. So it, it's still, you know, the, the Astros have done some podcasts with the, 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 our regular broadcasters and talking with some people that are, um, that are connected, you know, right now and talking about current situations. And there's been a couple of, of former players that have been on there. Uh, but I'd really like to evolve that into something more, you know, where we sit down and we have a, you know, 45 minute to an hour long conversation. And, mm. and I, I still I still would like to to do that. And, um, you know, as we as we move forward into this year and we, you know, we, we're looking at um, reopening some things at Minute Maid Park very soon and, and having some operations again. And as we we kind of move move forward on, on those plans. 
um, you know, perhaps we can we can delve into that and get some some of this this stuff done um, because it would it would be a lot of fun. So I would love to do that um, and have a, a podcast. I've thought about doing it on my own too, but I think what what I would prefer to do is is have it officially through the Astros uh, since that's what it's going to go back towards anyway. And yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the content that I post, you know, the, or it's kind of represents our brand anyway. So I would like to just more or less keep it under the umbrella of the Astros. And then, uh, from a book standpoint, you know, um, you know, I would, I would love to, to work on something. Uh, I've just, you know, I think with, um, with everything else that that's going on with the, the daily, uh, day-to-day job that that I have with with a season uh and then also with the Astrodome project it's taken up a lot of time and, and, sure. you know, and, and like right <laughs> yeah and like right now I'm working uh I've been working real heavily on uh yet another model renovation model it's a kind of a a cutaway section of the Astrodome shows some different layouts uh from you know I already have one made but I got another one where it's like this is the, another section of the Astrodome shows some more details Um, so I'm working on that right now, but I would love to, to sit down and and put together and, but what I really want to do too, if it's, if there's a book, I want to be able to provide some content that lends a unique perspective because to a lot of Astros fans, you know, when we put out that, that book in 2013, it, it told the story of the Astros and it's, you know, you can't really change history, right? It's kind of, it's sort of the same stories. Your basic information is there. Um, but that's, that's where it's different with the podcast because we can, we can have conversations, we can hear the voices and it's a lot different than just reading the same information or maybe some different quotes in a book. Uh, you know, I want to be able to provide, uh, even more imagery. I mean, it's, it's, it's also, it's about the information, but I also want to be able to provide some very unique photos of, of, uh, you know, moments in Astro's history. And right now we're actually, uh, uh, in this this uh, sort of break or extended uh, off season that we've had, where we haven't been playing baseball, uh, I've been working with with our team photographers, and we now have a uh, some new capabilities to to process uh, older slides and negatives and and uh, some of our our hard paper, you know, our hard copy archives and making them digital. And and uh, they've been working on that a little bit more. So I, you know, hopefully in the next few months, in you know, even as we play baseball, we'll we now have some some new uh, uh, resources where we can hopefully get that. And then perhaps maybe we we look at it because there's a lot of things uh, in those archives that um, we haven't been able to share with fans because they we we didn't you know we would have to outsource it to somebody else, but we yeah. can we can control it here now and and hopefully that's something we can turn into uh something we can share with fans you see this is the thing i mean i understand it's a it's like i keep reiterating it's uh it's a very very cult sport at best in england but i suppose i'm biased because obviously you know i'm a huge fan of the astros and they're my team and obsessed with the astrodome and all its history and houston but I guess that's why I ask, because it's just, I, I would love it. I would love it if you did a podcast. I think, you know, more information. I know some people have heard it all before, as you say, people have grown up in Houston or been Astros fans all their lives. But as I mentioned before, it's far reaching. 
and it's uh, the history of it all is is incredibly rich and interesting to me. And it's funny you touch upon that because I actually mentioned that when I was on the Minute Maid Park tour last year, there was some corridors that we were going down and had some beautiful, you know, photographs up and full colour. Some of them were black and white. And I just turned to someone on the tour and I just said, you know, wouldn't this be really cool if they just had a book that archived all this amazing photography with, you know, sort of sections of information about each photograph? I just was mm-hmm. like, you know, I would I would love that. And I know I know it's really hard for some people listening and possibly yourself to understand it, but it's it's even more fascinating to me because I'm not I'm not from Houston and I didn't grow up in those areas and it's even more fascinating to me. Uh, it's just, I think it'd be an amazing idea um, to get some photographs compiled, you know. It sounds really mm-hmm. interesting. I really hope that goes ahead. I really do. Yeah, it's, uh, we're, I always said that we could do a, a, uh, a complete, you know, bachelor's program or, or master's program on uh, the history of, of Houston baseball. Uh, yeah. There's, there's, oh, there's wow. just a, a – you're talking about – in our local Sabre group, um, you know, the, the Larry Durker chapter here in Houston of Sabre, and for those not, not um, familiar with that organization, the Society for American Baseball Research, they, they have chapters in every city here in the, in the United States, and, and the, you know, they're, they're full of historians and people who are very passionate about history, and, and they, they, they do a very good job at, at presenting the history. And, and, you know, they're on social media and, you know, there's meetings and there's, there's another meeting next week that we're going to have on Zoom. And they, uh, they actually put out that local chapter, put out a book uh, right after we put out ours and, and basically was everything leading up to where our book began. It, it was the, the Texas League, the semi-pro teams, the the Negro League teams that were here in Houston, um, the, the ballparks that were around the city, you know, the old wooden ballparks. And, and just it was very, very good. It was like a textbook and you know, where ours yeah. was 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 uh, ours was very storytelling. And we wanted to have a lot of visuals, you know, to, to bring to life, you know, some things that people had never seen. Uh, the Sabre group um was was a lot they approached that book they had a lot of photos in it but it was a lot more like a textbook and for somebody who really really loves that it was the perfect thing for for them to have and and i'm friends with a, with a lot of those guys and, and ladies that are that are part of that organization and um it's really great to to work with them and and to know them so it, it would be very very cool to if we had a podcast to to bring on some people who yeah. would not only talk about uh, Astros history or Colt 45s history, but you know, let's talk about let's talk about the the Houston babies, you know, from the the early 1900s or late 1800s. Talk about that. Let's talk about the, you know, um, you know, the first game in in Houston history. Houston, the first game recorded in Houston history was at the San Jacinto uh, Battleground, and uh, let's talk about that. And and um, you know, it, there's so many stories. There's so many different things. There's years worth of, of shows Absolutely. that we could do. Yeah. I mean, I, this is the thing. I, I, you know, I guess we wrap it up there, Mike, to be honest, because honestly, I could talk for hours. And, you know, I know you have such a wealth of knowledge and passion and 
and I'm very much the same. I could listen to it all day. Um, but I really do uh, wish you all luck with the podcast. I hope the book comes to pass. I hope the photography works out with the digital transitions. I really do. Um, but most of all, I just really want to thank you for your time and your uh, willingness and patience to listen and uh, give us all this information and insight. Well, you're very welcome, uh, Stephen. I, I really appreciate uh, you asking me to, to be on. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I love talking about it. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, always, it's always enjoyable. Thanks, Mike. I really do appreciate it. And thanks for coming on to Sunday Strohs with myself. You bet. Well, that wraps up our two-part episode with Mike Acosta. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was a great job, Stevie. Thanks, Rob. I mean, it got a lot of positive feedback on, on Twitter, which is obviously really important to us. Um, it was great. I mean, what can I say? It was an absolute pleasure. I mean, it was extremely high on my list to get. And, you know, it's a bit of a dream come true for me. So I'm really grateful for Mike willing to give his time and, and effort to do that. It was a real pleasure. And I hope to work with him in the future and get some more updates. So keep your eyes and ears peeled on that. So next week, it's just going to be me and you, one-on-one, back to the original, like episode one. Not Mm -hmm. sure what we're going to talk about, but if you guys have anything, any subjects that you want us to cover, get a hold of us at sundaystrows at yahoo.com or find us on the Twitter page. And uh, but, But Stevie... I read something this morning that we might find out if the season starts on Monday, but we do have all this COVID cases coming, so maybe that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Who knows? I have a strong feeling, Rob, you know, it's just going to be very, very high up there. Um, We've all got our thoughts and opinions on it, but let's wait and see. I mean, as you said, anyone can contact us, you know, get in on the threads, get in on the emails and the Twitter page, and let's talk about things and Include it in the show. It's going to be a great debate. You know, we're going to find some things out on Monday. So, you know, let's let's come together. Let's bridge that gap and let's discuss it as a fan base. You know, it could be really interesting, that. Hey, and also, guys, if you enjoyed uh, these three, the first three episodes, we got more to come. Uh, it would be awesome if you just go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you have a few extra seconds, type us out a really awesome review we would love that. Yeah, we'd really appreciate it. So I know it takes a little bit of time, but it really does mean the world, you know, because we want to know what we're doing right and, you know, God forbid, what we're doing wrong. So just leave your thoughts. It, it, it's greatly appreciated. Well, once again, happy Father's Day uh, to all of you dads out there. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, if it's Sunday, it's time for Sunday Strolls. Thank you.